Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for waking us all up this morning and putting breath back into our lungs. Um, We thank you, Lord, for the precious gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life through him. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, the deposit, the guarantee, the seal that we uh, will be with you now and forevermore, that one day we'll put this body off and put on a new, perfect body in glory. We love you so much. We're so, so grateful, God, that, that we can look to you, that we can be with you, that we can worship you, that we can be in your sweet presence. And we just ask you, Father, to be powerfully among us this morning. Help us to focus our minds on you, Help us to to seek you and to worship you with all of our heart. Help us to lift our voices and lift our hands and and to come before you with no shame, uh, to, to embrace the freedom that you've given us through your blood on the cross and our faith in you. Hallelujah. God, we love you and we're so, so excited to be with you this morning. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Help us to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.
You know, there's been a lot of rain lately, and with that, there's been a lot of flooding. And when a flood comes, it often reaches places in our houses and in our lives that we don't really want it to reach, but it reaches there. And when the Spirit of God floods a place, it might reach places in your heart and in your life that maybe you're just not all that comfortable with. <laughs> you know, you just prayed that, right? That's what you just prayed said, no, I sang a song. No, you prayed a song. So, Lord, it was more than lyrics on a screen. It was a prayer. Maybe we mouthed some words, but it still was a prayer. And we're asking that the work of your spirit would come into this place. And it may not be comfortable. And it may not be what we think. But we know that when your spirit comes with power and glory, amazing and wonderful things happen. Captives are set free. Yes. Amazing things happen. Lord, that's the desire of our heart, is that you would move powerfully. It is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And that's what we want. Is that what you want, Seaport? That's what you want. We're just trusting you. Pray with me as we've, we've been doing this since last summer, praying for one of the submarines on our waterfront. We're praying for the Indiana. Come on, pray with me for the, the men and their families attached to this boat. Father, thank you that we live in this community and thank you that we live in such proximity to the men and the women who give so much. They give so much. Lord, to provide protection. And they do things that God, that most of us will never know a thing about. And they can't even share. And I pray that God, in the, in the depths of that submarine, that you dwell through the hearts and the minds of men. And the God, that the needs that they have, the primary need, and that's to come into a relationship with you, that that would take place. I pray that every Christian on that boat would be vocal, God, in their faith. And that, God, that their faith would stand the test of just maybe harassment and just good, just natural ribbing. But, Lord, I'm just, I'm just trusting you that they would reflect and represent you well. And Lord, the families, sometimes the stresses and strains on, on them. We as civilians, we, we, don't, we can't hardly begin to grasp it. But Lord, I pray that you bring such comfort and protection to every family that's attached to that boat. 
And Lord, you'd help them experience your peace. And Lord, with every Christian household, Lord, may they be strongly attached to a community of believers that loves and cares for them. And for every, for every family that's not, God, may they find a church here in this area that they can, that's solid and can help them experience Jesus and grow in their faith. We trust you for that. And I pray for, I pray for Chaplain Abishai, and I pray for Christian, his, his RP. God, right down there on the waterfront, I pray that those, that those men are powerful and effective in doing ministry to the men there on the waterfront. We trust you in Jesus' name today. Amen, friends? Amen. 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 God bless you guys as you're seated. Thanks so much. It's great to have all of you here. Um, I love the opportunity to meet you if I have not before, and I would love to do that. I try to get out there to the front. Sometimes I don't make it. Sometimes I do. But uh, anyway, I'd love to meet you out there at the close of the service. Chris, come on and welcome our visitors. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Chris, and I just want to welcome you to church this morning. So if this is your first time here, we just want to honor you. And we do that around here by clapping for you. But of course, we don't want to just clap for you, right? We're a family. We want to truly connect with you. And the easiest way for us to, to connect with you is for you to text the word welcome to the number that comes up on the screen. And then a small link will come back to you. Just takes about 20 seconds or so to fill it out. And then just like that, shabam, we are connected. And like Pastor Brad said, he tries to be out there at the Narthex out after service to meet with all of you guys. Well, we have some awesome opportunities. And if you guys don't have our church center app, there's a little... Uh, QR code on the seat back that's in front of you. You can download that, and then all of these opportunities are available there. And hey, if you haven't figured this out, we are a praying church. We have prayer around the week here. So make sure you guys are joining us for one of these prayer meetings. It's really a powerful time for us to come together and pray for our communities, pray for one another, pray for our marriages. So make sure you guys are joining in on one of those things. We have a men's ministry called Accelerate, and they are meeting this Tuesday where there's food and fellowship. So if you're a man, make sure you guys join us for that this Tuesday. Our, wet, our uh, growth track is continuing this Wednesday, it's still starting. If you haven't signed up for something, that's okay. Make sure you guys come on in and then sign up for that. And then next up, we're going to have Matt, or Commander Matt is going to come to talk to us about some awesome event that I think is about to happen. Good morning, everyone. The day is finally here. All right, it's time for our 11th annual chili cook-off on February 4th. Uh, we're going to be registering chili chefs today in the Narthex, um, so make sure that you sign up for that. Um, 11th annual. We've been doing this for 11 years, and lately the competition has really been heating up. All right. <laughs> and this year we're going to be raising money for a new large canvas tent for the outpost. So that's pretty exciting. We invite you to enter your best pot of chili or cornbread or both into the contest for a chance to win a gift card and the title of Chili Champion 2024. Entries are limited, so make sure you secure your spot today by signing up with us in the Narthex after service. There's 20 spots for chilies, and five of them are already taken, believe it or not. Um, all are welcome to join us on February 4th, right after service, to taste test all the chili. Uh, you don't have to try them all, but you should. Um, your vote will help decide this year's champion chili chef. The entry fee is donation-based and includes all-you-can-eat chili and cornbread. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, so don't forget to see us today and get your winning pot of chili or cornbread on the list. Thanks. Thank you, Commander Matt. I haven't won one of these things yet, but I think this is my year. 
think so. Anyways, um, the sight and sound trip that's scheduled in March is out there in the in the uh, wow in the app. So make sure you guys are signing up for that. Register now for that. And next up, you know, we talk about all the time being a military church and having military people here. And unfortunately, when you have military people here, they often have to transfer. So unfortunately, today we have to not say goodbye, but say good luck. To a, to a couple that's been coming here for a bit that I had the pleasure of marrying. So if Charles and Deanna, if you guys could come up. I get to bid you farewell today. If you guys didn't know Charles and Deanna, they've been here for a while. Charles was serving on the PCU Iowa, and now he's getting ready to go somewhere new and exciting. So, Charles, where are you headed? Uh, so I'm heading to... Uh, oh. Uh, heading uh, west of Raleigh in North Carolina, doing uh, recruiting. Uh, that's about it. All right. <laughs> that's where you're but you so know what? But it's interesting where that recruiting station is. Tell us where that recruiting station is, as in relationship to your house, your home. Oh, uh, so from that station, it takes 10 minutes uh, to get to my house, and it's 20 minutes away from my actual house. Where I grew up. Yeah. So that's pretty so amazing. Back home. Right? Back Deanna, home. what are you going to be doing over there? I'm a nurse, so I'm looking into case management. I've been doing pretty well with that on my current job. All right, fantastic. Are you guys excited to go to this new endeavor? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he doesn't like the snow too much, and uh, they've been working really hard on the boat, so it's time for a little break, right? All right. So they're, they're, they're leaving. They haven't been married very long, but you know one thing about... Uh, and they're excited to just really step in a new season of life. Charles and I talked at length about this the other day, but but uh, it's also, uh, you know, they, Charles has been very involved in the cleaning team here, and so we're going to, so we're, somebody needs to step up and take his place, okay? So, I mean, all right? So somebody needs to do that, step in and take his place, okay? And um, otherwise, you you're not going to be able to transfer down south. You're just going to have to stay here. I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> you have to come back every Saturday and Sunday. It works too. <laughs> let's pray. Come on, let's pray for these two. It's, it's, it's been great to watch them uh, and, and their lives. And they and Chris did all the premarital counseling, married them, officiated their wedding. And uh, now we're sending them out. And uh, uh, this is... This is part of the reason why this church was started 35 years ago. And so we're excited to see them go. Not excited, but excited. You know, so pray for them, Chris. Father God, we just thank you for this united couple. Yes. This couple that you have divinely put together in order to go out and reach other people, Lord. Lord, they have such specific skills. And you are really putting them into a place where they can reach others. Charles going into recruiting. Indiana going into case management gives them the opportunity to touch so many people's lives, Lord. May they continue to reflect your love and your light upon those around them, Lord. And may you continue to bless them and cover them with your protection as they go out into the world for you, Lord. Lord, it's it's our pleasure to just know them and to be with them. Lord, bless them as they go and continue on this path that you have them on, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Gonna miss you guys. Gonna miss you. Gonna miss you, dude. Gonna miss you. Miss you guys. Wow. Stay in contact with us. You will. And uh, 
Uh, if I said anything silly, I do apologize. I, I do think that I probably should take a side job working at a graveyard. I'm very good at digging holes, so. I gotta get one dad joke. Okay. <laughs> if you've gotten no, to know Charles since he's been here, you'll know that was uh, pretty standard form right there, you know. Uh, that's him, man. So it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's great. You know, instead of normally in March, every fifth year, we do a big, big kind of a celebration, uh, celebrating the anniversary of the church. This year, we decided not to do it in March, but to do it in, in August, to do a 35th and call it homecoming. We used to do homecomings many years ago, a three-day event, August 9, 10, and 11. And we're just hoping that many will be able to come back. Uh, there are literally today, I, I've never checked this, but I honestly believe it is possible for me to go anywhere in America, anywhere in America, the continental United States and beyond, and be within driving distance of somebody that's been part of this church. Up and down the West Coast, East Coast, out in the, you know, through the Bible Belt and through the Grain Belt and through the Rust Belt and all those places, there are people that have been part of this church over the years. And uh, I hope we're going to invite some, any of those who can come back to join us for those three days. And, of course, you're going to invite it, obviously. So it should be a great time uh, representing and celebrating 35 years of all that the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful? I'm, I'm grateful. What you see here on, on a Sunday morning doesn't even begin to represent the impact of this church uh, around the, the U.S. And far, and far beyond. And so thank God for that. Hallelujah. Well, these little books that I wanted to give you have come in. You can pick yours up. Uh, you can, I would encourage you to register if you have not. There's a few extra copies uh, that are available. The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And I love this statement inside this book. He says, we are God's money manager. Think about that thought with me for just a moment. It's not that... It's not that, okay, Lord, this is my money, but I'm going to cut you in for 10% or whatever we do. It's not that. God says, I'm giving you all this to manage for me. And I'm watching to see how well you do. Because if you manage it well, I'll give you more to manage for me. If you don't manage it so well, well, I'll wait till you do. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, be faithful Faithful in giving, faithful in tithing, faithful in giving to missions. You are God's money manager. He's given it to you. In the Old Testament, it says he gave us the power to gain wealth. And so as you put that into practice, you're going to learn, you're going to learn a lot of interesting things in this, in this little book here. And it's easy, to, it's easy to read and it's filled with great stories in here. And just pick up a copy. There's one per family. And if you didn't register, register in the app and uh, you can pick it up. Uh, today and, and read it through. Books don't do much good unless you read them and practice them, right? So, okay, read it. And then you know, do something else with this book. After you read it and you put it into practice, take it and maybe give it to somebody else unless you do the journal part in the back. So, okay. So today as we, as we give, thank you for being faithful. I always appreciate that. Uh, it's my challenge not only to be the pastor, but I get to be the CEO and the CFO. And so it's a, it's a big, it's a wonderful challenge. 
But, you know, let's, let's just pray right now that the Lord will help us to manage his money well. Amen? You're managing his money. It's not your money. It's his money that he gave to you to manage. Father, help us to manage your money well. Lord, it's not just the money that we give that's your money. It's all that we have really has come from you. And you've entrusted it to us to manage and to use it well. So help us to do that. Help us to use it well. Help us not to, God, put it in places that we shouldn't. Or God, withhold it when we shouldn't. Or God, just waste it. Help us to manage it well. Because we know that when we do, your word tells us that you give us more to manage for you. And we trust you and we thank you, Lord. Be glorified, we pray. Amen? Amen. There's ways to give. You can see that on the screen, whether it's in the little giving boxes out there or online. You can see that. And let's just honor the Lord with our giving. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and um, I want to release our youth, middle schoolers, to the fellowship hall. They can head out of here. If you are visiting today and you're, you're a middle schooler, you can go out these doors, go to the right into the fellowship hall. That's where the middle schoolers are meeting today. Hallelujah. We've got some exciting things to tell you next week, so I hope that you'll be here. Are you ready to jump into the Word this morning? Yes. You know, I hate when the power goes off. And lately, it's happened a few times. I don't like, I especially don't like it when it happens at the church. Because it messes up the computers and the server, and it's a mess. It's a mess. I hate it when the power goes off. You know, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, everything's black. And you're hoping it's just going to flicker and come back, right? But it doesn't. It stays off. And then sometimes you go to bed, and you're hoping that it will, and then in the middle of the night, the whole house comes alive. (laughs) You know, and then as soon as the power comes on, what do we do? We go on Facebook and say, the power's on. (laughs) That's what a lot of us here do anyway, I've noticed. (laughs) Because when the power comes on, then we're able to do the things that we need to do and want to do. And guess what? God wants the power on at Seaport Community Church so that he can do what he wants to do. Amen? For him, he wants this church to be normal. And we're going to find out what normal is in the book of Acts. Last week, Adam helped us get off to a great start as he took us into understanding who the Holy Spirit is and the role of the Holy Spirit. And as we jumped into the book of Acts, and today we're going to continue that as we go into Acts chapter 2 in this series called Unstoppable. Unstoppable. You're going to see that powerfully, you know, as we march through these 28 chapters. You know, and I mean, let me just back up for just a for just a moment. Luke is uh, he's a he's a brilliant historian, and he's commissioned to write first of all a history of Jesus and his ministry and the disciples. And then in volume two, in volume two, he is he is again commissioned by Theophilus. No one really knows fully who that was exactly. Theophilus commissions him to write a detailed history of of these men whom Jesus trained and equipped to take the gospel around the world and what they did in 
carrying out that gospel. He records all of that. It shouldn't be called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be called the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the book should really be called. But it's amazing, really. Really what it's about is how that a group of nobodies is trained and equipped, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then take the gospel around the world, transforming the then-known world, and then touching millions of people through their influence over 2,000 years. That's what the story really is. That's what the story really is and how all of that happens. And thank God that Luke got this job. Not only was he a physician that traveled with Paul at some points, but he was also a world-class historian that gave attention to minute details that can be verified and tested to authenticate the reality of Scripture. And so thank God for that. But as, as the book of Acts opens... We see Jesus is transitioning from, from the Gospel of Luke, picking a story up now. Jesus is with, his, is with the 12, excuse me, with the 11 now. And he is commissioning these guys. He said, look, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay here until you receive the promise of the Father, the power of the Spirit. And look at what he says there. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, the city, in Judea, the country, okay, in Samaria, the country to the north, and to the ends of the earth. You can see the impact of that. Now, Jesus commands these guys to stay there in Jerusalem and wait for this. Then he ascends unto heaven, into heaven, from the Mount of Olives, and coincidentally, he will return to the Mount of Olives at some point, causing an earthquake. But in Acts chapter 2, we see these men, along with many others, about 120 people, waiting for the promise of the Father. And they're, they're waiting there with the guy that replaced Judas Matthias, but they're all hanging out in this upper room, Okay, it's a second story room, uh, probably designed to hold various gatherings. Uh, Pastor Debbie and myself stood in this very room six years ago this month, stood in that room. They're not sure, but that's what they think is where the, the day of Pentecost came, was right there in that particular room. And it's an incredible experience just to stand there in, in that room. Now, they're waiting. And what's interesting to me is this. They're waiting in this room on and off for about a period of 10 days, waiting for the promise of the Father, for the power of the Spirit. Nowhere do I see that Jesus has given them an indication of what that is exactly and how they know it will happen. They must have thought, they must have had conversations that went like this. Yeah, what is that exactly? I don't know. Well, how will we know it's going to, what happens? I don't know that either. I guess we're just going to know. Well, they would know. There would be no question. There would be no question. It was now 50 days after, Pentec after Passover when Jesus was crucified. Okay? Passover and Pentecost were two of the three big events, a big feast at that time. But let me just tell you a little bit about the Feast of Pentecost. And let me show you and help you to understand if this wasn't a random thing, but the precise timing of the Holy Spirit is highly significant. Highly significant. 
The day of Pentecost is celebrated 50, hence Penta, five Penta, after, after Passover. It's one of the three major annual celebrations that Jewish males were required, or at least strongly, strongly recommended that they come to Jerusalem and celebrate this. Pentecost had two kind of two major thoughts behind it. The first one was it was to honor God for the harvest and to recognize that he was the one who gave the power uh, to, to grow and to gain a harvest and to be blessed. Okay? As it, recognize, the mosaic, recognize the Mosaic law. Now, understand something here. The Holy Spirit comes on the Feast of Harvest. You get the drift there? You get the drift. You'll, you'll connect the dots in just a moment. The second thing is this, that the Jews often recognized on the day of Pentecost as an anniversary date of when Moses received the, the law on Mount Sinai, which indicated that these wandering people were now going to enter into a new level of covenant relationship with God. This is incredibly significant because, understand something here. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost to signify that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to empower these people to bring in the spiritual harvest. And that it's going to indicate a new level of relationship with these people and and their God and, and a whole nother level where no longer is it going to be religious practice, but it's going to be the power of God in their lives. It wasn't happen chance. It came right at the precise moment. As we look in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and I hope many of you did read it in preparation for today, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. Most likely, this was, it would be highly unlikely for anybody to have a room that can handle 120 people, as it would be today. Most of our houses can't handle 120 people at one time, you know. And it's a rare house. There's a rare house then. There's a rare house now that can handle 120 people in one room at one time. So they think it was maybe in that room or no one really knows for sure. But as they are there waiting, suddenly, according to what, what Luke says, and Luke is very precise, Luke says there is the sound. He didn't say there was an actual wind. There's the sound of an incredibly powerful wind that blows through like a freight train coming through the room. So if there was any questions about how will we know when it happened? Not only was there a wind, but then, of course, there were flames of fire. There just appeared. Now, imagine this with me. If suddenly you're in a service here, and all of a sudden it looks like above you is a fire burning. That might get your attention. And the smoke alarms aren't going off. And the sprinkler systems aren't kicking in. But there's a fire. And suddenly this fire, this fire, these Little tongues of fire begin to separate, and they come over people's heads. They're not on them, but they're just above them. And then suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit causes these people, who were not generally bilingual, to begin to speak in a language that they had never learned. It wasn't gibberish. It was a language that they had never learned, and they were praising God for what was happening there to them. Wow. But look at what happens next. If there were any questions at that point as to what this was, when it was, how it was going to impact them, please understand something. In the scripture, in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is often represented by wind and fire. Wind signifying it's hard to identify when it's going to come and where it's going to go and how long it's going to blow. 
but it will leave an impact when it comes. And it comes with power. Fire is that which consumes, and yet it draws, doesn't it? People are drawn to fires, but fires consume. And the Holy Spirit, I don't have time to get into all of that, but the Holy, that the Holy Spirit is represented by that, as those two symbols, and we see that. But what happens next is interesting. Jews that had grown up in other lands, in other lands, they had retained their identity, as Jews are very uh, effective at doing, had retained their identity as Jews and grown up in other lands, had learned, and they knew not only Hebrew, but they also knew the language of the people that they grew up with, various uh, 12 different nations and countries and places. They're in Jerusalem. Some of them are there to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Some of them, most likely, had moved there, probably, and taken up a house, a short-term rental. Probably they'd come in for Passover, which was only seven weeks before this, and they had probably just stayed because of the cost and the travel and the distance. They may have just moved into Jerusalem for a couple of weeks on a short-term rental, and were just waiting, celebrating, then they would go back home. as possible they were happened. There are other people that had been in these other countries, and they had moved to Jerusalem, even like you see happening today. And they were there. They were there for this feast. And they knew this land. And suddenly there's an incredible commotion. And people run to it. Nothing changes, does it? You know, when there's a big noise, it attracts people, doesn't it? And they were drawn to this. They were drawn to this. And they come up and they hear these people speaking. And, all, and, and some of them go, what does that possibly mean? Because they could hear them praising God in their language. And it would be evident to many of them that the people that were speaking in an unknown language to them, but known to them, were not affluent people by the way that they dressed. And so they would not, most, many of them would not have had opportunity to become bilingual. They're looking at this, and they're wondering, what in the world? And so it makes sense when Luke says there's one group of people going, what in the world does this mean? Now, there was another group, too, right there, observing all of this. And they said, yeah, these people are a bunch of drunks. Now, no self-respecting Jew would allow themselves to get drunk, let alone be drunk at 9 a.m. Okay? There's always been mockers. There will always be mockers. Always be. Peter, seeing all of this, stands up and preaches a sermon I'm going to entitle, I'm just going to say it. And he steps forward, Peter, with the 11 other apostles, 10 apostles and Matthias, and he begins to shout, Luke says. Now, Peter had a lot of experience with shouting, remember. Okay? And he knows what they're thinking, and he immediately begins to address the drunkenness issue. You know, this is not drunkenness. And he immediately ties what they're seeing to the prophecies of Joel that they were all pretty well familiar with because they had been trained in the Old Testament as children. And so they knew these prophecies. And Peter immediately ties it to what Joel said in Joel, chap- in Joel chapter 2 from hundreds of years before that. This sermon is amazing. 
Peter didn't write it ahead of time like the preaching team does. It was completely spontaneous. There were no notes on PowerPoint. And I mean, he gives three very long verbatim quotes all spontaneously. There was no time to say, guys, hold the crowd. I'm going to go write a sermon. I'll be back. No. And this sermon is amazing. He connects Jesus to the Old Testament. He says, guys, this is what we've been looking for, waiting for. This is that, you know. But he drills them hard, and he cuts them no slack. He cuts them no slack. He clearly presents Jesus as God's plan for redemption, man's only hope of salvation. He shows that he is truly who he says he is because God raised Jesus from the dead. He, he leaves no questions in their hearts and in their minds. He appeals to the famous and beloved King David to authenticate what he is saying is true. You know, I mean, and he lays it all out. He lays it all out. Jesus is the Messiah. And then he says this. He says, whom you crucified. Whoa. Whoa. He holds nothing back. Whom you crucified. You would think right there, those people would get ticked and walk out. Maybe some did. Luke never says whether they did or didn't. But what he does say is that in an amazing moment of conviction, they say, what shall we do? What shall we do? An incredible moment of conviction that only the Spirit of God can bring. And Peter responds, again, he holds nothing back. He holds nothing back. He says, you know what you got to do? I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to repent of your sin and be baptized. It's interesting. What he, you know, he didn't cut them any slack. And then he says to them, then, then you can receive what you've seen, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the promise of Joel in chapter 2. That's what he says. It's interesting to me that Luke says that Peter didn't stop there. He continued preaching for some time. And it's interesting what he says there in Acts chapter 2. He says, urging them to break away from the influence of the culture that was destroying them. A crooked generation. You see, when you become a Christian, you got to repent of your sin. You need to be baptized. And you need to make a clean break with the wickedness of this world. You know, what the, you, know what the, you know what church means? You think it means a building. You think it means kind of a nice thing you go to and do. Church means, literally means called out ones. It literally means to be called out of the world and to be separate and to be different. That's what it means. That's literally what it means. This is so, you would think a guy preaching like that would cause people to go, I'm checking out, dude. I listen to that. That's your opinion. That's your idea. That's, that's nonsense. I don't listen to that. Well, some, some probably did. Some probably did. But 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that day and were baptized, Luke said, in one day. I tried to do a little math on that. I'm trying to think to myself, what would that be like if we took 3,000 people down the bluff point? 
I'm thinking, okay, if I had 20 guys helping me, that's 150 people apiece. Boy, I'd need more than 20 guys. Well, I'd need 50 guys, and, well, okay, 50 guys, uh, well, that's 60 people. Man, that's still a lot of people baptized one by. Can you imagine? I might need 150 people to baptize 20 people each. I would love the problem. I'll find a way. If we have that problem, I'll find a way. It's interesting. Some people say, well, that could have never happened. I've been to the temple. I've, I've been to where it was. I've been to there. And guess what? There's a lot of water around there. It was there and available for ritualistic cleansing and purification in order to be prepared to go in to the temple area and, be wor- and, and to worship. There was a lot of water there. So that it's not unrealistic that, that, this, that this happened. But can you imagine? A few weeks ago, we baptized one. Can you imagine 3,000? Wow, crazy. It'd be amazing. From 120 in an upper room to 3,000 in one day. But Luke doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. If, you read, if you've read chapter 2, you know what he does. And, and starting in chapter 2, verses 42, it looks... It's amazing what happens because the believers create a community called the church, the called out ones. And look at what their community is characterized by. Look at this. They're characterized by a, a, a devoted learning. I mean, they're listening to the apostles and putting it into practice. There's a deep friendship. There's a sharing of meals and communion. There's prayer, a lot of prayer. You know, there's awe. People are like, whoa, like, whoa. The church services weren't boring. They were like, whoa, like, whoa. <laughs> Did that just, did you, did you see that? Signs and wonders. There was deep sharing. It wasn't superficial nonsense. Deep sharing. Frequent gatherings. Generosity. Favor with the people around them that weren't part of the church. And continual and constant growth. That's what characterized that early church. Luke nails it all down. That was some church because the power came on. The power came on. And what does all of this mean to us sitting in cold Groton, Connecticut? Considered by most to be the spiritual end of the earth. I tell my, I, I tell my pastor friends, I say, well, you know, I'm here, I'm here in Groton and you know, when, when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth, what he meant to say was even unto Connecticut, which is the end of the earth. You know, we all laugh. That's just a joke. But, you know, it, it feels like the end of the earth. I know some of you have moved in from other parts of the country, and you're like, what kind of a place is this? Yeah, well, some of us actually like it, believe it or not. But anyway, I'm going to give you a series of thoughts. Takeaways from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to share these with you. Now, I understand, please, I understand that Acts is mainly descriptive and not prescriptive. Some parts of it are prescriptive, but most of it is descriptive. Luke's saying, Luke's saying, this happened, this happened, this happened. Most of Paul's epistles are prescriptive, meaning, okay, do this, do this, do this, I want you to do this, do this, do this, do this. It's mainly descriptive. It's mainly descriptive. But there are tremendous lessons that can be learned here. 
And there, and there are things that we can gain when the power comes on at Seaport that we will see and that we will experience. Now, let me make something emphatically clear to you. Okay? I want nothing less than what you see in Acts 2. Nothing less. You don't need to go to a church that offers nice services and nice programs every week. La-di-da, la-di-da. And Seaport offers great services and great programs, week in and week out, year in and year out, because of amazing people. So that's no put down of them or me. But in my heart, I want nothing more than the power of the Spirit of God to do whatever he wants to do in this place. It is not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. And if that was an amen, I'll take it. (laughs) When the power comes on, let's take a look here. When the power comes on, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will know it. There won't be a question. I I think it might have happened. one, One day I felt warm and fuzzy. Or I think it could have happened. No. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know it. As a matter of fact, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit or refilled. You know? I mean, yeah, and I know. I I know. But understand something. This church believes in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, believes in the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues. We believe it unashamedly so. Because it's taught in the Bible, and you can look it up yourself. It's right there. It's right there. And you'll speak in a language that that you've never learned, and maybe you won't understand it, but God will understand it. And there's so much I could teach you on that, but we don't have the time for that. It It is amazing. I shared this with you some time ago, and I'm still thinking about it. I don't know, have you ever, for me, I'll just, I'll just talk about me. There have been plenty of times in my life when I've just, just kind of just said, well, Lord, I really, man, it'd, be, it'd be great. I really need you to do this. Help me with this. And the answer comes immediately. And there are other things I pray for a long time, and they don't seem to come, or they take a long time. And sometimes it's hard to figure that out. And I, but I wonder in those things that I have prayed for, you know, just briefly in English, I wondered how many times I prayed privately in my prayer language, because when you pray in your prayer language, you pray in agreement with the will of God. You know that, right? Because your spirit is praying in full agreement with the spirit of God and in complete agreement with the will of God, and thus it will be done. That's the power of praying in the spirit. I know some of you came from churches, or, or maybe you're struggling to believe this whole Pentecostal thing. And maybe you're struggling to understand this thing. And maybe you say, I don't know if that's... And some of you have come from churches where they say, well, that stopped in 100 A.D., Really? Who says? You? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. You know what? If you move through the book of Acts, you're going to see Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to see a high priority that the apostles putting on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to see them putting uh, as, as an evidence that people have been filled speaking in tongues. I was saved on a Sunday morning when I was 16. That Sunday night in a special service, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, and I've never stopped. 
I know this thing is real. 51 years to prove it out. But not all will agree and some will mock. That's true. That's always been the case. You know, as soon as the Spirit is poured out, some will say, what does this mean? Others will mock it, you know. No different today. No different today. But it's interesting. It's interesting. The ones empowered by the Spirit, they go on to do great things for God. The mockers just kind of fade away into history. It's interesting that one of the other things that will take place is that unlikely people will step forward. Peter was used to being a big mouth, but not... Not always at the right time. Remember, it was only seven weeks previous to this that Peter, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, denied him three times. The same dude. Now he's standing up preaching a message. Boy, it was as tough as it could get. Same dude. How do you explain that? The power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and helped him. Wow. Preaching will bring the conviction of sin. Wow. Peter's sermon was not, come to Jesus and live your best life now. You don't hear that there. Maybe he said it later. I don't know. I don't think so. You know? He leaves no room in his message for, Jesus is just one of many ways to God. I hope that you'll select him today. No. He's it. He was it. That's what Peter says. There was no, pray this prayer after me. Repeat after me and you'll be saved. No, repent, be baptized. I mean, it was pretty hardcore. You know, it was hardcore. Leave this crooked culture. You know? There was none of this. Jesus just loves and accepts you the way you are. You can follow him. And it's okay if you're, you know, you're you're following this sin and this lifestyle. And it's okay because he gives you grace. That's nonsense. More like wickedness. Repent. Be baptized. Repent means to look at the way I'm going and say, I'm not going that way no more. I repudiate that way and I turn to go the other way. That's what repentance means. And to save yourself from a crooked generation. Is this generation crooked around us? It can't even figure out what it is half the time. Craziness. Preaching will bring the conviction of sin. And guess what? They were then, they'll be now, offended. But the church will grow numerically and it will grow daily. I read this quote this week, and I'm going to share it with you. There's a pernicious myth out there that the church is in decline when it's actually growing fast. Since the year 2000, the world population has been growing at 1% per annum. But the church has been growing at 2%, 100% faster than the global population. With Pentecostalism, which this church is under the huge umbrella called Pentecostalism, okay, growing at 4%. Not by might, nor by power. Nor by human strategies or human wisdom, but by my spirit. It is not growing in the U.S. much. And I'll give you, I can give you plenty of reasons for that. I give you plenty of reasons because I've studied them myself. And a lot of it can be, can be traced back to 
half-hearted, apathetic Christians. It can, be, it can be traced back to all kinds of leadership scandals. It can be, it can be I, I, I'm amazed, I'm amazed at how little some churches and pastors pray. I'm amazed at that. Amazed. And worse, you go into some churches, they don't even t- pick up the Bible, let alone preach it. Almost no emphasis on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some churches that you go into, they'll even tell you that they keep the Holy Spirit off to the sides because they don't want to offend people. The late David Yonke Cho, pastor of the world's largest church, Ed and I were there 25 years ago with a friend of ours, Steve. But in 19, I was there twice, but in 1993, I heard Yonke Cho say this myself, a pastor of a church of 800,000, it was about a million when he passed away. Million, million one. Yeah, that's right, one church, a million people. Incomprehensible, I get it. He said the difference between the American church and the Korean church is that the American church has many programs and little prayer. The Korean church has few programs and much prayer. That's a big difference. It really kind of hurts me when I see so few of us during the course of a week on, on our prayer calls. We've made it so easy for you. You can jump on a Zoom call. We've made it so easy, and you still don't do it. That's not, that's your thing. You don't have a heart for prayer. You need to get one. I guess I should have told you to buckle your seatbelt on that one, huh? I guess I should have told you that. The church will be seen favorably. It isn't today for the most part. And I can understand why people in the community, you know, berate the church. I get why they do that. I mean, the number of scandals in the last 35 years have been, it's been crazy. The abuse of people, the abuse of children, you know, exorbitant and luxurious living at the expense of, of, of well-meaning Christians, manipulative practices, hypocritical living, you know. I mean, it rightfully has caused the world to write the church off in many cases. I get it. It's pathetic. It's terrible. It's pathetic. Years ago, and I've watched this, I've watched this too. For decades, clergy were in the top three of the most respected professions in America. Today, we're not even in the top five. And I understand it. I get it. I get it. And it's terrible. But guess what? When the Spirit of God begins to truly move in a place, there will be one group of people that will just be afraid of it and scared of it. There'll be another group of people that will be amazed by it. There'll be another group of people that will embrace it. The supernatural will become natural. The supernatural will become natural. In the early church, signs, wonders, and miracles happened frequently to advance the gospel. They were not there just to entertain Christians. They were there to advance the gospel and help people to believe in the reality of this gospel. Amen? Today in America, we have conferences on why the Holy Spirit no longer does signs and wonders. And people pay big money to go to these conferences. Blows my mind. And yet, I will just say this to you. I don't care if I pray and nothing happens on a Sunday. That's not going to deter me. Because I know God is faithful, and God will move, and God will do when he is ready to do it. And when I'm ready for him to do it, he will do it. Okay? I know that. And so let me assure you, I am unrelenting. And if being your pastor for 35 years doesn't show you something, I hope you get it. 
that I'm unrelenting when it comes to seeing God do something, all that he wants. I have seen the future. You've heard me say this. I have seen visions before this church started of what was going to happen here that have not yet happened. For 35 years, I've gone, Lord, now would be good. But I'm believing that. Are you? People will want to fellowship. You'll want to be with each other. The church will not be seen as this 75-minute thing you go to on a Sunday or a Sunday and a Wednesday. It will be something that's your very life. Not a thing you do before rushing off to lunch or some meaningless, worthless football game. There, I said it. I sit and watch football games. Sometimes I go, why am I wasting my time with this? Especially when my team loses. It's terrible. But anyway. We want a fellowship. We will be generous. Look at how generous these people were. Read it there, what they did. It was amazing how generous these early church Christians, these early Christians were in the church. It was amazing what they did to care for one another and to provide. Look at that. They were incredibly generous. You know, selling off stuff to care for other people. There's no indication that this continued forever. You know, maybe it was a short season in, in, in the history of the church. Again, no one really knows, you know. I mean, if Luke wrote down everything that happened in a 30-year period of time, that's how long the book of Acts covers. I mean, it would be a, a, lot, a lot. As a matter of fact, there's so much in the book of Acts that a, a friend of mine is a scholar, a renowned scholar. He wrote a, a series of commentaries. There's 4,500 pages on the book of Acts. I gave Chris and I gave Adam the condensed version, which is, I don't know, 700 pages or something. That's the condensed version. I said, I don't know how in the world somebody writes 4,500 pages on the book of Acts. But Luke only writes the highlights over 30 years. Can you imagine what else happened that he didn't tell us? Didn't have room for it. But they cared for one another deeply. When the Spirit of God begins to move in a church, guess what? You're not going to have a problem tithing. You're going to want to. Your heart will be different. Your faith will be different. You won't have a problem investing in missions. You won't have a problem. These folks were generous. And look at what happens. That church grows. And isn't it interesting what Luke says? That every day people were being saved. That's the kind of church I want. What kind of church do you want? If you want the 75-minute special, come in, go out. See you next week. That's not what I want. It's not what I want. So if you want a church that's fulfilling to come to, what does it require? One simple thing. One simple thing. If you want to attend a church that's truly fulfilling and life-changing, then you're going to want to be part of a church where every one of us is filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled with the Holy Spirit.
I want the band to come right now. We're going to close the service. But I'm going to ask those of you who want to, to come forward. And by coming forward, yeah, God can fill you with the Holy Spirit where you're seated. That's fine too. But sometimes by standing up and moving forward, we are indicating the level of our desire. And we're willing to say, you know, I'm not going to hold back. I'm stepping in. And by stepping forward, you're going to be saying, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or I want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Or I'm not sure if I've been or not. And I need to know for sure. And you know what? I'm not going to take a long time on this. And I'm not going to do any kind of quirky, crazy stuff. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray as you're standing there. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come on maybe all of you, maybe some of you. I don't know. But I'm going to ask, stand with me right now. We're going to begin to sing this song. And as we sing this song, you can come forward. And by coming forward, you're just going to simply say, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be refilled with your Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if I am or not. And I need to be sure. Because when the Spirit of God comes into your life, I will guarantee you things will begin to change in a most amazing way. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. I was, a, I was a super shy kid in high school. Hardly anybody even knew who I was. I know some of you say, that can't possibly be true. It was true. And I can remember that day standing down there on Bank Street in New London. Bank Street was where you went if you wanted something mm, evil, wicked, or whatever. That's where you went back in the day. I can remember standing down there as a 16 or 17-year-old kid sharing the gospel to hookers and pimps and all kinds of people. And st- one day I stood back and I said, wait a minute. Is this me really doing this? Is this me really doing this? I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just simply saying the power of the Spirit came upon me. And it was amazing what happened. Let's sing this song. Come on, let's sing this. I'm not going to spend a long time with this, but I'm I'm just, you know me by now, I'm unrelenting. I'm unrelenting. I want the ministry team. You can come and just stand behind people. Our ministry team will have a name tag on so you know who it, who it is. They'll have a name tag. And I just want you to get behind them and put your hand lightly on their shoulder. And I want you just to begin to pray. Hallelujah. Those of you that are here, I don't want you to focus on tongues. That's not the issue. What I want you to do, I just want you to simply say, God, I need more of you. I want all that you have for me. I want all that you have for me. God, I want all that you have for me. And as you're worshiping him and as you're praying, this is what's going to happen with some of you. Nobody's, you're not going to make this up. You're not going to consciously. It's not going to be me, me manipulating you. It's going to be as, you're, as this happens, the spirit of God will come upon you. And suddenly you begin to feel these words. And maybe in the deep part of your, of, of your, of your mind and spirit, maybe in your mind. And you know what? You just begin to speak those out in faith. And they won't make sense to you. Of course they won't make sense to you. If you speak Swahili around me, I'll go, I have no clue what you're saying. Spirit of God, come on right now, right now, right now. God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you. Lord, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. I, I, need the, I need the power of your spirit. Come on, just pray like this. this isn't, there's no formula here. I'm just guiding you. God, I, just, I, I need the power of your spirit in my life to love you, to serve you, to reach out to others. God, my family may, may be depending upon me. My friends may be depending upon me. God, I need the fullness of your spirit. I need all that you have for me. 
I want to I step into that relationship with you. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, hallelujah. Come on, just simply just begin, just continue to pray. Lord, I just want all that you have for me. This is the gift that you have for me. Hallelujah. This is a gift that you have for me. And Lord, when it comes into my life, I know it's going to impact me. It's going to make this church more effective. And God, I want that. I want that. Hallelujah. Friends, it's not about just having the right pastor. It's about all of us being in this thing to win it. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want, the, I want any of the deacons that are here. You can step out of where you're at and just come behind people and just, just pray for them. Put your hand lightly on their shoulder and pray for them. Any of the deacons that are here. Ministry team and deacons, just step out. Begin to pray for people. Just light, put your hands lightly on their shoulders and pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we re- just simply say, Lord, I receive this gift that you have. You don't have to beg and plead and all kind of crazy stuff. We're just waiting upon you, Lord. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit. As you're sitting here, as standing there, rather, if you're standing there, something comes to your mind that maybe you need to deal with, then just deal with it. Don't make it a big deal. Just deal with it. Get it out of the way and just simply say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. Don't listen to the devil who, might, who may want to say to you, ah, oh, it'll never happen to you. It'll never, you're not good enough. It has nothing to do with that. We receive right now. We receive right now. We receive right now. Hallelujah. Go ahead, sweetheart. Lead us in this song. We're going to sing this song. I want everybody singing it. Hallelujah. Those of you that are out here, down here in front, you can either sing the song or, or you can continue to pray, whatever you want to do. We're going to take just, I'm not going to drag this out, but I am going to take a few moments to do this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sing this with us. Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, I'm here to receive. Just hold your hands out in front of you and just simply say, Lord, I need to receive. I want all that you have for me. I want all that you have for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's not waiting for you.
Okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to ask all of you that are up front here, I'm going to ask you to remain for just a couple moments. And I'm going to step down and I'm going to talk to you. And all the rest of you that are out there, you, I'm going to dismiss you. You can linger or you can, you can go whatever works for you. But just If you just kind of keep the talking to a minimum in here, that would be great. Use the narthex, that's what it was built for. Spirit of the living God, I'm trusting you. And we're trusting you. Yes, we're trusting you. God, that every single person at Seaport that wants to be filled with your spirit will be. Hallelujah. And God, not maybe, I think it could have, hopefully, no, absolutely clear. And without question and without doubt, 
We're trusting you, Father. Dismiss us now in your great grace, I pray. Make sure you come back Wednesday night for the growth track. Get involved. Let's get growing. Amen. Let's do this. God has a lot for this church, but he's waiting for us to be able to handle it. I don't know what in the world. I, uh, but I, if I have the problem of going from this number to 3,000, we'll figure it out. Hmm. I might need you to help me, but I will need you to help me. Dismiss us now in your great grace, I pray, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that are up front here, I'm going to come down here and come talk to me for just...